As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler. I'm joined, as always, by Lance Zerline. I, I think between the two of us, we've probably written almost, what, a thousand prospect profiles the last few months? So, I don't know about you, Lance. Um, I'm ready for the draft to be here. Yeah. Um, well, I got another 95 to go. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we'll see what happens. And this is always a challenging part because... This is really where pro days are super important because mm-hmm. honestly, and as you know, Dane, this is where guys pop out of the woodwork. Um, I can't tell you how many players that I found through pro day testing where they hit big tests and I've got to go back and look at them on tape or even try to find tape on them because those are the kind of guys, the big testers are the ones who will pop up in the sixth and seventh round. And uh, I remember when that happened to me for Austin Eckler, where he had this great workout. And I'm like, all right, I need to go look at this guy. And it was hard finding any tape for him. I finally found a couple things. They weren't shot great, but you could see what you needed to see. And I put a draftable grade on him uh, because you could see he had the traits, but he also looked like a pretty talented running back. And that's how this happens. You get on the radar a lot of times based on a pro day. And sometimes guys who put together big pro days and it will make you go back and, and take another look at, uh, at a player or they hit a big pro day and maybe they just were in a situation where they weren't in a great, you know, they weren't in a great situation for them. Maybe they had been dealing with an injury earlier in the year. Maybe they were in the doghouse with the team. Maybe it was a scheme situation, a scheme fit. Um, there's any number of things, but guys who look a certain way, height, weight, speed, length, power, explosiveness, teams are willing to take chances on players like that later in the draft. No doubt. And some of these guys are better athletes and football players, but the teams will take a chance on that. If you have the traits that can't be coached or taught, size, speed, explosiveness, like you mentioned, you know, maybe the rest can be can be learned and, you know, with uh, with pro coaching and that that's the at least that's the approach that NFL teams take. So, you know, for those that don't know, you can find all of Lance's reports over at NFL.com. My draft guide will be out first week of April. Um, I want to make sure and get all the pro day data in there as always. 
But it's even more important this year. Without the combine, we need to get all the official measurements, all the data for these players. It will be interesting with the medical situation and the lack of access to these guys face-to-face. If we're going to see less non-combine guys drafted than usual, it's usually in the 30s. I don't know if we're going to hit that. We might even we might get to have half of that number uh, this year just because of the yeah. lack of access, which is going to make it you know really interesting. So we're going to talk about your mock draft here in a minute, uh, but let's talk about the pro days. Some guys that have jumped out uh, for one reason or another. You know, a lot of notable pro days the last two weeks. You know, Georgia both corners ran really well. Recent pro days like Alabama, Florida State, some guys uh, performed well, but. Uh, a few others maybe that maybe didn't get as much attention. Louisiana Tech and Milton Williams. I know you had posted his, what he was doing during training before his pro day, and he did not disappoint. I think the only negative number from his pro day was the arm length. Everything right. else was elite. 6'3", even, 6'0", 284 pounds. He runs a 4.63 with a 16510, 38.5 inch vert, 10, 1 broad, 6, 9, 6, 3 cone, which is ridiculous. And then he, just for good measure, 34 on the bench press. Uh, the 31 and a half inch arms, not ideal. Um, you know, you, you wish you were a little longer than that. But man, this is a player who, and he did this by putting on weight since the season. So he's a right. little heavier than what the tape says, and he still looks explosive. Yeah. And, you know, I said this was going to happen, and he's the kind of guy I've checked around with teams. He's, He's going to be a day two pick. Yeah. Here's the thing. When you watch the tape, you're not going to come away from the tape going, whoa, wow, look at that. I didn't do it. I was like, oh, man, here's a flash. There's a flash. Here's a flash. It was not a consistent, um, you know, him just destroying the guy across from him. But they also played a system that didn't really, I think, ask for that. He is a classic case of a guy that you want to – grade the flashes because from a scheme standpoint, I think he'll be asked, well, number one, I'm not sure where you put him. Do you play him as a base end and then reduce him down as a rusher? I think there's a chance that he could play like that. Do you play him as a three technique? That's probably the favorite right now. Although, you know, you, you'd rather he be in the two nineties than the two eighties, but he's incredibly strong pound for pound. He plays like a guy who's well over 300 pounds from a strength standpoint. That's not really a strength and leverage thing is not really a problem for him. But, you know, the one the one area that I would be a little concerned with, the name I'm going to throw you that I'm concerned, and look, I, I've been a fan of, of, of Milton Williams, but the one name, a guy that I really like coming out of college, and it was a monster tester with way more production than Milton Williams, more than just about anyone. Can you, in the same position, can you think of the player I'm, I'm going to talk about? Hmm. Wait, how long ago? Within the last three years, hmm. it ended up being a second round pick, smaller school, monster testing, explosive, had production that was simply off the charts, had an unusually high amount of blocked kicks, which is an unusual stat, which might give it away for you if you remember. Although we've gone through so many players, you might not recall tons no. of tackles, tons of sacks, tested off the charts and that would be pj hall pj yeah same houston state yeah pj hall his pro day now he was not a combine invite he ended up being a second round um he ended up being a second round pick his pro day as i look here i'll give you some of the numbers on it 
308 pounds, a 47340. Is that pretty fast for a guy who's 308? <laughs> a vertical leap of 38 inches. His arm was also 31 and 8. His was right at 32. Now, his three-cone and short shuttle were not nearly as fast. Uh, but also, he had a really high rep number on his bench press as well. So, And then when you looked at his production, like P.J. Hall's production at Sam Houston State was absolutely incredible. And I'll, and this is where testers with production get pushed way up the board, but sometimes mm-hmm. you have to be careful about that. I'm going to sports reference right now. And he, there, he was another guy like Milton Williams where there were questions about where do you play him? You know, is he at – because at Sam Houston State, they would play him up and down the defensive line. So it was a little tough about, okay, what's his ideal fit at the next level? Yeah, and that was that was a question. Nose or – so from a um, – let me see from a college. I'm having a hard time finding the numbers here, but his production, just trust me when I tell you this, his production was completely off the charts. I mean, it was outrageous. And um, when you have production like that and you have testing, you're going to get pushed up the board. And sometimes you have to be careful of that because it's one thing to predict it's going to happen. It's another to play to that draft slotting. And that's not always um, that's not always going to be easy, but he's a guy I'm going to flip to somebody else here. How about what Rondell Moore did? Rondell Moore ran in the four threes coming out of high school. He knocked that down. I didn't see if this is official yet, Dane. I know the unofficial number is four, two, nine. A lot of times official will be in the slightly above that. Have you seen an official speed for Rondell? No, I haven't seen the APT report. Let me. I had a text from a scout who was there. Um, let me pull it up. But the other surprising number I thought was the five hundred seven zero with the height. Uh, that that was a little surprise. Yeah, four two nine. That's what <clears throat> that's what I had a, uh, in a uh, text from a scout. Four two nine vertical 42 leap and was, a half. Yeah, forty two <laughs> and a half inch vertical leap. Uh, five foot seven, one eighty. That's the big concern, mm-hmm. and it shows up on tape where you're talking about a guy who has you know, a very small catch radius. So if you're going to draft him, the explosiveness and the deep speed is great. He's very strong. He can work through tacklers. He's great with the ball in his hands. Average 7.7 yards to catch this year. Very disappointing. This disappointing season all the way around. And his stock is kind of falling back. But the expectation was he would work out well. So I think we're going to see, uh, you know, uh, the the equilibrium, I think is going to shift back and, and, and level out for Rondell Moore. But the problem is at five foot seven, I don't care what your other numbers are. You need a quarterback who can put it into your framework. And that has to be under consideration when a team drafts him. Because if you have a quarterback who's like, that's not a guy you want Josh Allen throwing to, you know, it's not really a guy you want Justin Herbert throwing to. You want somebody who is a very accurate quarterback to utilize Rondell Moore, but what you saw from Purdue this year, I mean, this allows you to say, okay, if we're okay with the size, because he's very powerful, he's like a, it's almost like having a short running back, but you know, they're compact and strong. Then maybe you take a look at him, you know, maybe in the third round before I would have thought his profile is third or fourth round. That's what his draft profile is. It's never been first and it's rarely ever a second. If you look at the history of where guys are drafted, but when you have this level of speed and all it takes is a little bit of a run at a position in a team who feels like they have a plan for a guy, that's what can get somebody pushed up. So I thought he did well at what he was supposed to do. 
another guy kind of under the radar at that same workout was Derek Barnes. Well, Derek Barnes had a really nice workout compared to what I thought I saw on tape. He was faster than what I thought he played at. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I wish he would have ran a three cone. Um, you know, it's always a little questionable when supposedly always- cramped up. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's always a little questionable when they they start to cramp up right before the one drill you want to see about a player. Uh, Yeah, like Joseph Osai, three cone, same type of deal. Uh, But yeah, he he ran four five eight. Um, You look good across the board. He he uh, he he did good in his position stuff too. Uh, Pretty impressive. So Barnes, and then a a guy not too uh, small or uh, maybe a sleeper, Tyler Coyle, safety at Purdue, UConn transfer. Name to keep on the radar. Speed uh, was outstanding. Uh, low four fours, high four threes. Probably a PFA, but uh, definitely a name worth uh, worth remembering. Switching over to TCU's pro day, a guy that I really wanted to see the results of his uh, of his testing was our Darius Washington because we know he's small. You know, he's five eight and a quarter, one hundred seventy six pounds. But he needed a, a really good workout to help. If you wanted to get even in the conversation of being a day two pick, I thought he needed to run well. And it just, it, it, unfortunately, he didn't. Uh, four six one in the 40, the 706-3 cone. You know, the, the jumps were good, 37 and a half, 10, 7. But when you're 5'8 and you're not fast, that's just going to be tough for teams to just trust the tape and ignore the size, ignore the the speed uh, during the workouts. And so you see some range on film when he's in position, he'll make plays, but you also see times where that lack of length, 29 and a quarter inch arms, it leads to a lot of almost plays, both in the run game and versus the pass. So I thought our Darius Washington, unfortunately, wasn't able to help himself. Now, 5'8", 176 pounds. He has very, very short arms. Not only was his 40 time of 461, I mean, it's okay, depending on what position and how he's played, but not at his size. A 162 10 yard split is not what you want. You want something faster than that. What you want to know is okay, he's got the burst at least. He may not have the top end speed, but he's got the short area burst. So we know he can play fast in 10 to 20 yard increments. Um, But you didn't get that fast enough. He jumped well, shows explosiveness, but the short area quickness, you know, that's. That's the concern as well is when you got a linebacker who's 220 pounds running a six, eight, seven, three cone in Garrett Wallow, and then a mm. safety running a seven Oh six. It's just, it's just not great. Um, I love the football player. I think he's a really good football player. He's tough as nails. He's quick. He makes plays, but from a draft profile standpoint, and you, you have to, you guys have to parse this. I can like a player, Dan can like a player, but I'm just telling you, his draft stock took a hit on that pro day because he's already uh, he's already flying in the face of the standards, the norms of what teams are willing to deal with from a size standpoint. So if they're going to make an exception for size, you better be exceptional in other areas. And that area needed to be speed. And unfortunately, he didn't show speed and change of direction, exceptional ability. So that's going to hurt him. Yep, no question. And on the flip side, at the Florida State pro day, Asante Samuel uh, another guy that doesn't have ideal size, but he ran really well. He ran a 4.38, a 1.50 10 yard split. Uh, he was under seven in the three cone drill. Uh, came in at 5.10, 180. So, does, you know, we knew he was not the biggest guy, but at least he tested 
like an NFL caliber cornerback uh, in terms of the athletic testing and how he moves. I really, that Florida State, that track must have been fast. You look across the board, even the defensive ends, Kando ran a 4.65. Uh, Janarius Robinson at 263 pounds, ran a 4.69. Tamarion Terry, who's a really interesting player in this class, 6.026-207, ran a 4.44. So really, really impressive from the Florida State Pro Day. I like Robinson and Terry are my two guys out of that. I think Samuel's a little overvalued by the public, at least uh, the, you know, the draft media. Um, I don't see him anywhere near a first round pick personally, not on. No, tape. I don't think he's not a first round pick. And I, but I, I think he's popping up, but it, it, it's, I mean, when you get in the top 50, that's where it gets interesting. Like it, it, I think, where did I put him? I, I think he's probably just outside of that. I think he's probably more of a, a late day two, but and, and really, it's just tough when you stack these corners because it's, it gets to, okay, well, Tyson Campbell or Asante Samuel, Eric Stokes, or, you know, just when you try to stack these guys, you end up having more of these corners above him. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I know I do. And yeah. um, there's just some elements I, I want to see Asante Samuel play a little better in terms of trust in his instincts. And there's there's just some different things that... I think a Samuel, listen, Asante Samuel needs to do, but I say that, but Stokes and there's a group of about five or six corners that I'm having a hard time separating. So oh, yeah. I think his time and his workout absolutely helped them. I'm moving him up my board a couple of spots. And from a slotting standpoint, um, I'm going through pro day and making very small adjustments from time to time on certain players. If they disappointed a couple of them, I'm making big adjustments because like Pro Wells, um, his workout yeah. just wasn't good enough at, at, at TCU. It was very disappointing. I know some scouts came away thinking the other tight end was better. Uh, Artavius Lynn, who, who yep. worked out there. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Wells, with the, the way TCU uses their tight ends, not very much. You needed to have a good workout, and unfortunately, it just didn't happen for him. No, and um, I know this is a headliner. But how about the workout that Patrick Sertan had? Do you think that helps him at all? Or do you think it confirmed tape? Like, I know some people thought he might be more like a 449, maybe even a 50 guy. I had been hearing he was going to run really well. And I talked to a friend of mine in the league who handles a lot of defensive backs. He said, Oh, no, he's going to be a low 44 guy, which I wasn't sure about that. I thought he might be like after watching him against Josh Palmer, I thought, eh, maybe. Maybe more like four, four, six, four, four, seven. But I think the way he jumped, the way he ran, and then what did you think about his workout drills on the field? Yeah, but he doesn't play like a, a a low four four guy. The reasons why you love Patrick Sertan as a player, if you list the reasons, yeah, speed's not in the top five. Nope. You know, like it, that's that's not why you appreciate him as a player. I, I love him because he's so technically sound because he never panics down the field. Uh, because he can get his eyes back to the backfield, locate the football, make a play. I mean, there's just so many things that you like about him at the position. But speed isn't necessarily one of them. And, you know, that's it's great that he ran that. Obviously, that helps him. He had his, his workout overall, both the testing and the positional drills w- was outstanding. Yeah, I mean, I, you can't help but think that's going to help him. I mean, obviously, the Caleb Farley news, which we'll get to here in a little bit, with his injury status, that obviously plays a factor as well. And when you stack these corners, but I mean, Sertan is, you know, it's, it's hard to poke holes in his game. I, he's not, he's going to go up against receivers that are faster than him um, in the NFL. That that's, that's going to happen. 
but he's so controlled at the position that I'm, I'm still going to feel good about putting him out there against uh, the opponent's top receiver. I am curious. Do you want to, do you want to get to my mock draft? One more guy I wanted to mention before we jump out. Uh, and a, a guy that I, I know I've heard you mention before who uh, had a pretty solid pro day and talking about like Austin Eckler and guys that may be able to get the draftable status. Jaquan Hardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from Tiffin, who worked out at Toledo's Pro Day. Division two, obviously didn't play this past year, uh, was really productive when he was healthy um, at the D2 level. Worked out fairly well. Uh, 4.53 in the 40, 33-inch vert, 9.11 broad, 6.98 3-cone. I'm still not sure he gets drafted, but I think at least he is in that conversation to be a possible late-round pick. And if not... He's going to. It's going to be one of those guys where there's going to be, you know, fifteen PFA offers that he's going to have to go through and figure out the, where he wants to land. So I, I think he helped himself. So the big advantage, obviously, he played lower level competition. The big advantage, though, is that Jaquan Hardy is 211 pounds. So think of yeah. Jaquiz Rogers, Devontae Freeman. He's a shorter guy, but he's very well built. He's bigger than Quiz. Um, his four five three is faster than expected. There was an expectation he'd be closer to four six. His time of one five eight, which gives you an idea of burst, is solid. I think anything under a one six is fine for a running back. And then change of direction stuff was was pretty good. I mean, it was pretty good. You see the wiggle on tape. You see the lateral jump cuts. He runs with tremendous contact balance and power in his lower half. Um, I think that. For me, I would have no issues with taking him in the sixth round, sixth, seventh round. To me, I think he's going to get drafted because he does have size and he's got some ability to, I think, handle some of the the the, the physical nature of the position. If he were 195 pounds, it'd be a lot tougher at 211. Um, that's a, a big benefit. But keep your eye on, on Jaquan Hardy because we know – Year after year after year, guys come out of small schools and become NFL running backs. I mean, that's that happens all the time. And I think he's one of those guys that are, are, are going to hit that mark. I think he's going to become an NFL running back, a backup, but maybe a chance to be in a committee situation. But um, this is the kind of player that you start looking for on day three of the draft. It's these kind of players. Yep, no doubt. And one other uh, running back that I throw in that mix as a guy that could get drafted late that maybe isn't being talked about a lot is Iowa State's uh, Kane Nuwengu, who just blazed in the 40. Well-built kid. He was 429, 431 uh, at Iowa State's Pro Day. He was in the shadow of uh, David Montgomery and Brees Hall. Uh, had an Achilles injury at some point, but the kick return value is there. Special teams value is there. I have some questions about him as a running back, but when you have that type of speed, that's going to get you noticed. So I think Nwangu absolutely has a chance to get drafted uh, on day three with those numbers. No fumbles over 146 career carries, yep. but then you know the fact he only had 146 makes you wonder a little bit. Uh, the, ret- the kick return ability is good. If you, uh, I thought his size really showed up on the rare opportunities he could pass pro. I thought he mm-hmm. did so with good aggression. I gave him an undrafted, I gave him a, um, you know, an undrafted grade, but with this, I'm going to push him up a little bit from a five, four into the five, five range, which is really more practice squad level because the traits and the potential to play on special teams. Um, that's, that's the kind of thing that teams will take a look at. Hey, we, we've, 
we can develop this guy. Yeah. We can take the time to develop him because he has traits and because we see some potential special teams value. That's why yeah. a player like this, despite not having great production, will have a chance to maybe even hit the late round draft board. But I think more than likely it will be PFA status. Yeah. See, and I, I'm, I'm kind of switched with Hardy. You know, you think Hardy could be that late round guy. I, I think, think this he's is PFA. Okay. I think it's the Wangu. Uh, you think he's PFA. So, you know, and that's what when we get to the late rounds. I mean, but this is what we're talking about. You know, guys that test in certain ways, have certain qualities, depending on who's drafting, what they're looking for. These are the type of types of guys that get drafted late. And a lot comes is, is based off of the pro day and how they look. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, let's get to your mock draft here. Always interested, uh, you know, how how you look at these guys, uh, your, your your projections, where especially where you have these quarterbacks. So why don't you take us through some of the notable uh, notable picks here that you have in your mock? Well, I, I'll say that I I stuck with um, the Jets going. You know, I defaulted to the Jets going mm-hmm. to Zach Wilson, which I do think is going to happen. But one of the things I want to talk about is I made a. I had Jamar Chase three, but I had Trey Lance. I had the Panthers moving up for Trey Lance. Now, as people pointed out, and this is probably correct, Atlanta probably doesn't trade with the Panthers uh, in this particular situation, you know, to give them a a potential franchise quarterback. And that was that was just kind of my bad. But I do see the Panthers as being a potential Look, three, four and five. And this is something I wanted to talk about from a conceptual standpoint. I think the Dolphins. The Falcons, because the Falcons have reworked the contract for Matt um, for Matt Ryan, they can't cut him this year. They can't get rid of Matt Ryan. It's just it's way too expensive. There is a chance, I think, that the Dolphins, if they have a trade back opportunity, because they have so many holes, I think that is a trade back possibility. Oh, the, yeah. uh, the number four spot, without question. I think the Dolphins, because they know they can move back to a certain number, especially if it were eight, I could see a three eight where Trey Lance becomes the number three pick for, um, you know, the Panthers. And then the the Dolphins basically add yet another additional pick, get a move to eight. And they, they're still going to potentially have Jalen Waddle on the board or maybe even Devontae Smith. So, or maybe Kyle Pitts. So I think it's worth the risk to move back. And I think the Bengals are in the same kind of spot. I think moving back from five could potentially make some sense as well. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, the Panthers moving up or sitting tight. Well, and, and I'm I'm to the point where I would almost be surprised if the Dolphins pick at three because it just makes too much sense for because uh, we don't know what Atlanta is going to do. 
they really are a wild card here. Uh, for a team like Carolina or uh, one of these other teams to jump up to number three and get that that third quarterback, whether it is Fields or Lance. Um, and for the Dolphins, Jalen Waddle might be their top receiver on the board. And, you know, I, I don't think that's talked about enough is, you know, it's it, they'd be perfectly fine moving back to eight and still getting the guy they would have taken at, at three. And with the Panthers, we know how aggressive they're going to be at the quarterback position. The Deshaun Watson opportunity, uh, trade opportunity feels like, uh, it's in limbo right now. I mean, I don't, with everything going swirling off the field, uh, I, you know, he, you can't trade him right now, but it still doesn't feel like he's going to suit up for Houston again. So I, I don't know what to think with Deshaun Watson. So Carolina, they're in a position where, uh, you know, if they're turning the page to the draft and looking at, okay, what's, what's the best quarterback that we can go get? Uh, I, I mean, moving up to uh, three, four, or five seems like the the best opportunity for them. Uh, instead of waiting at eight and having maybe the Eagles take one at six, or the, you don't know what the Lions are going to do, you don't know if we have the Patriots uh, or the 49ers or the uh, or Washington football team maybe lurking and looking to trade up for one of these quarterbacks. So yeah, a trade up from Carolina seems like the most likely scenario. It's just unlikely we're going to see these teams stand pat and just wait for a quarterback to fall to them. It seems like, you know, we're going to see some of these teams be aggressive and Carolina makes the most sense. All right. Who do you think gets drafted first, Devontae Smith or I had Kyle Pitts going six to the Eagles and Smith going seven to the Lions. Who do you think gets picked first, Pitts or Devontae Smith? I'd be I'd be surprised if it's not Pitts just because he's uh, I mean they're both unique players obviously Uh, Pitts playing the tight end position some teams are going to look at fit and you know just how are we going to use him and is he warrant um, where we're going to pick him Devontae Smith 170 pounds that's going to bother a lot of teams whether or not it should uh, that's that's a different discussion but the fact is it will bother some teams. So I would lean towards Pitts if I'm if I have to put money on it, but it's hard to find you know an exact landing spot for him because he's just so unique with what he offers, and it's it's hard to find a team that's going to be all in on uh, just betting on that talent. Could it be five in Cincinnati? Sure, absolutely. Could it be six with the Eagles? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of teams where you could see it fitting. Uh, I mean, there's there's almost no team out there where you'd say no, they they, they couldn't use that, um, but actually, you know, penciling that pick in there and saying, yeah, that's what they're going to do is a different discussion. So I would lean towards Pitts there. And in your mock, you actually have it going uh, Pitts, Smith, 6-7. Pitts, Smith. Now, what about nine? I put Justin Fields with the Broncos. And I feel like where there's smoke, there's fire. And I feel like the Broncos are probably saying, you know what? If we have an opportunity, and it may not be Fields, it could be Trey Lance, it could be anyone. But I do think that while they, you could use corner possibly. And I know that they added Fuller on a one-year deal and, you know, they don't, it's not like they have cornerback locked up for several years. We don't know. Everything's short-term deals this year, but um, I do think that cornerback could be in play, but if you have a chance to get a quarterback, if you don't believe in Drew Locke, you don't think he has what it takes and you got a chance to reset the quarterback uh, contract to year one with a guy like Fields and then maybe move a player like Drew Locke, I absolutely think that's in play. And I also think where there's smoke, there is some fire uh, in terms of the Deshaun Watson interest over in Denver. So I think when it's all said and done, um, I think if there's a quarterback on the board, that could definitely be a spot where Denver goes quarterback. Well, and, you know, what's the what's the variable here is, you know, George uh, Payton, who takes over as GM. We don't we just don't know, you know, being a first year GM. 
uh, it seems like Drew Locke has a lot of support in that locker room. You know, so does the new GM come and disrupt that from day one, uh, even though that might be what is best for the team um, if, if he's not a believer in the quarterback? Or does he say, you know, let's just let, let's let's give the uh, Drew Locke one more year to see what he has and, and go from there? And, you know, because obviously I, mean, I think he signed like a six year deal. It's not like he feels like he needs to turn over the roster in year one. So it's it's an interesting situation with Denver because absolutely I don't think anybody would be too su- surprised if they went quarterback there. They're picking top ten for a reason, but just with a new GM, it does make things interesting. Um, and I I mean the, to me the interesting team here in the top fifteen when we talk about quarterbacks uh, is the Patriots. I think they're in a position where you're bringing Cam Newton back. You have a chance to go and get one of these quarterbacks and let them sit behind Cam. They've been very, very active in free agency, um, you know, adding pieces and trying to put together a winning roster. And they have a chance to go and get a quarterback here. Uh, obviously, they're they're a team that when it comes to quarterbacks in the first round, there's no trends to talk about because they haven't had, had to go get a quarterback in the first round in uh, 20 years. So uh, to me, the, the, the Patriots are the most interesting because I, I think they could be the team that makes a splash into the top 10. If Justin Fields falls out of the top you know, eight or so, could we see the, the Patriots go from 15 to, to seven, You know, the Lions or a team like that, go get the quarterback. And all of a sudden, you know, the Patriots in a matter of one offseason have really remade that roster and, and given, the, given the team hope for the long term. Yeah, and and if you've if you've started like that, why would you not continue to go full speed ahead? I mean, Bill Belichick almost feels like he's approaching this like he's got two to three more years left in the mm-hmm. league. Period. I mean, that the the way he handled this offseason doesn't look anything like the Patriots have ever handled it. This is win now mode. Are some of the moves that he made here, or at least get back to being highly relevant mode and. And that's why I think that Mac Jones could be in play there at 15 because it does give you a one-year wait, maybe not even one year. Maybe it's something where Cam starts it, and by midseason you got a Mac Jones coming in because certainly you have you have better weapons around the quarterback position now thanks to some free agent spending. Um, I had an epiphany at 18. The Dolphins, I'm sitting there and I'm looking, okay, who's my – I don't think it's going to be running back here. I thought about it. But I didn't mean to give an aneurysm to the analytics guys about talking running back in the first. So my apologies. Maybe a trigger warning at the beginning of this, Kent, if you could add that. You still have two running backs going in this in this mock. So. I know it's going uh. to give them a heart attack. But maybe it's just me that thinks that your running back's best years are always your first five. So why not get them under a rookie contract? Yeah, so you get I the think, best yeah. out of them. The, but, the issue is more about signing these guys to that second contract. Yeah. I mean, if you want to draft, if if that's one of the missing pieces is one of these running backs, I have no problem with you drafting a right. I mean, we're, and we're talking the back half of round one here. No problem with that. So, yeah, I, I think that's a little over. I like the fifth year in the ability to franchise. Right. I mean, you in essence get a player if you amortize the entire cost of what the player is over six years for a a top level running back. It's really, really good. So I think it's a little close-minded to think that way, but anyway, uh, and I do understand you can find running backs. I don't have a problem with that either, but as I put Quiddy pay and I penciled him at 18, I realized, Oh my God, Quiddy's going to go way higher than this. He's going to be 270 pounds. He's going to jump out of the gym. He's going to run an insane three cone. 
every, his testing is going to be insane. And he yeah. looks like a bodybuilder. Well, I didn't think the tape looks like a top 15 tape. Mm-mm. I don't, you, you really don't have tape like that for anybody in this draft defensive end. It was like an, a realization that, wait a minute, this is Mr. Traits. Like he's got all the traits that are going to get him pushed up. As soon as he hits his pro day, there's going to be so much buzz. He's going to, and I, as I penciled him in the 18, I thought, you know what? I don't want to go back and screw this all up and redo everything, but Quiddy Pay is going higher than 18 just because how he's how he looks and how he's going to test. I mean, it was like an epiphany I finally had where I realized, oh yeah, that's right. Guys who look like this and test like this go a lot higher than 18. Yeah, and especially at pass rusher, you know, I mean, guys that have that type of ability, and it was almost. I don't know that when you watch Michigan's tape. It's not. They didn't let him just let loose. They didn't let him pin his ears back and go and just uh, you know say, "Hey, go get the quarterback." I mean, they they had him playing you know head up over the tackle or an inside shade and um, you know just playing a lot of contain. And so I, I don't think that the situation that he was in allowed him to fill up the stat sheet and, and put together all these flashy plays flying off the edge. So. I, I think that there is a built-in excuse there as well for the lack of overall production from him uh, at Michigan. And so I, I do think that you're right. I mean, I, he to me, Aziz Aguilera is a top pass rusher in this class, in my opinion. And I think Quiddy pays right behind him. I think both guys are, are top 25 guys in this class. And I, But I think you're right. If he, if he tests like he's you know expected to test, and if he gets anywhere close to a... You know, Von Miller had a six-seven three-cone drill. You know, one of the best three-cone drills we've seen from a pass rusher. If he gets anywhere, uh, you know, right around that area, six-seven or below, uh, that that's going to be something that is. It, that, you're right. That's going to be the igniter for the buzz that takes over uh, the football world for a few days. I don't think Terrace Marshall is going to go to the Ravens. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Let me work backwards. I I put Elijah Vera Tucker with the Giants. Do you think? But I still had Jalen Waddle on the board, and I ended yeah. up putting him 13 to the, the Chargers. Do you think the addition of Kenny Galladay changes their decision to get a wide receiver and maybe go offensive line where they could plug in a Vera Tucker at left guard and then potentially right tackle uh, in the future, or maybe even left tackle and move Thomas back to right tackle, which actually might make more sense? Or um, do you think they, they would still go for the home run threat with the Jalen Waddle. Well, it's interesting because when you look at the depth chart, uh, obviously it looks like they have their, you know, their, their X, Y, and Z set with uh, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. So, you know, it, it feels like they're in a position to, you know, feel good about their receivers, but I, it would be tough to pass on Jalen Waddle if he's there. So I, I think if they went offensive line, that, that does make a lot of sense. Vera Tucker, surprised. Uh, he doesn't play super long, so I didn't expect him to come in with long arms. But Daniel Jeremiah tweeted 32 and an eighth for his arm length, which is very, very short. Uh, which, you know, I, I think we both had him graded as a guard, which, uh, you know, kind of locks him in there with that with those arms. But, I mean, Vera Tucker, to me, is one of one of the easier evals in this class. He's a, he's a plug-and-play guard who's... Got a very high floor in this draft, so um, I, I have no problem with them going offensive line, even though it would be very tough to pass on Jalen Waddle. How, how do you feel about that? Well, I can tell you my dad's working with Vera Tucker. Um, he's working with Eichenberg, Robert Hainsey, Vera Tucker, and now Jalen Moore. Um, mm-hmm. He's worked with David Moore, and he's got no problem. He, and he had Willie Colon, who was a shorter um, right tackle at Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that now – 
when he hears the the arm length, that is going to be a question for him. But he, I know he, I don't think this, and he doesn't think this either. I don't see the arm length being something that really shows up a ton because mm-hmm. he times it well and he has really good base uh, core strength. So if you get to him early, he's not just going to roll right back into the pocket easily. Um, that's not who he is. So I still think whoever drafts him is going to potentially consider uh, allowing him to fail inside to guard. But listen, you could plug him in a guard and have a really good player with tackle potential. So um, he's one of the more interesting players. I'm going to leave the rest. If, oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. One guy I wanted to hit on is Caleb Farley. Um, yeah. Obviously, you had him here at 14 to the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, you came out with this mock before the news came out about um, uh, having the back procedure. And this just it, it makes it really tough, um, especially this late in the process. Uh, you know, first first question, you know, obviously when this news comes out is, okay, why why now? That tells me that something happened. You know, maybe something happened, in, you know, while he was training where something happened with his back. And this wasn't like, you know, if, if this was an issue that's been uh, he knew about, then, you know, why not take care of this, you know, a couple months ago since he was an opt out. But this is this will be a second back procedure. Um, and uh, he missed the final two games of the 2019 season. He injured his back lifting weights and he had to have offseason surgery. So talking to people uh, who are more knowledgeable about you know the medical side of things. They say that he can come back and, you know, rehab it and be healthy and play, but that, you know, there's tends to be, uh, you know, more likelihood of something else popping up with that back again after a procedure like this. And it's just it's hit or miss. Some guys, you know, could go on and have a successful career. Other guys will continue to have back problems. And each team's going to look at this differently. But I don't I have a hard time thinking Caleb Farley is going to go what in the top 25 picks. I mean, I think he's maybe you're talking about maybe second round now. I, I don't know. How do you see the Caleb Farley situation? Yeah. I need more information to be honest with you right. um, until I have more information from its team about what this means. I, I really don't know, but I do think back is one of those things. That's one of those injuries. A lot of times back injuries reoccur. And so I, I want to talk to a couple teams and see what they say, but it wouldn't shock me if he's still a first rounder. But I, I do think J.C. Horn is going to go ahead of him now. I, th- I think I have J.C. Horn ahead of him anyway from a grade standpoint. I had him behind him on mock draft. But now I'm I'm kind of locking him into my next mock going ahead. Um, and now I've got to take a look at, depending on the information, if I move him uh, backwards in my in my draft ratings based on the information I get about potential medical concerns. So yeah. um, we'll see. We'll see on that front. I just need more info. Sure. You know, it, it's, and that's what, with the medicals being so, you know, wonky this year, uh, I'm just crossing my fingers. We don't get some of that late information here in the next few weeks. That's, you know, really put some of these players in a tailspin with, you know, pre-existing injuries or something that pops up. Um, but yeah, I, I had, uh, he, to me, Caleb Farley is the best corner in this draft. I'm betting on those athletic traits, the size, mm-hmm. the speed, the burst, uh, just, the little that he's shown being so new to the position, I'm going to bet on those traits, but with these injuries, yeah, I mean, you have to drop them below Sertan, below Horn, probably below Newsom. Um, and just, it's, it's, unfortunately it's just guesswork, uh, for those of us on the outside in, we're just going to go based off of what, what teams tell us. So, um, and this corner class was already difficult enough. I mean, once you get past 
so kind of that first tier and you get into that second tier and you've got, you know, the Georgia corners, uh, you've got Kelvin Joseph, Elijah Molden, uh, Melifonwu, Asante Samuel, Aaron Robinson. I mean, the order of those guys are going to be so different from team to team, evaluator to evaluator, depending on, you know, uh, what you value at the position, you know, depending on scheme and, and fit. And so this injury news for Farley just kind of throws another wrench in the whole cornerback rankings. Well, if you want to see the rest of my mock draft, definitely go to NFL.com. Yell at it, be angry at it. I'm uh, I'm interested in doing the third one, but uh, I just yeah. can't wait for more pro days. Next time we're on, we get to talk about more pro days. And I think the slotting, yeah, the slotting will start to. I'm a year for the Penn State pro day here coming up. That's, uh, I mean, Jason Oway, there's a lot on the line for him. Micah Parsons, those two guys, see what they can do. So, yeah, we got a lot of a lot of pro days coming up. We'll, we'll touch on those next week. You can find Lance at Lance Zerline. Tell him how much you love his mock. I'm at DP Brugler. As always, please subscribe, rate, comment. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah.